Welcome to the Maris Review. I'm Maris Kreisman, and I am so happy to be joined today by Kiese Lemon. We are talking today the Monday before the election, and the, the episode will come out uh, in, in a few weeks afterwards, but it's, it's a particularly interesting time to have a conversation. So Kiese is the author of the novel Long Division, the memoir Heavy, and the essay collection How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America, um, which he is revising for uh, 2020. Welcome. Hey, how you doing, Maris? Thank you for having me. Oh, what a what a delight. I, I told you before we started recording that I think Heavy is the book that has been most recommended on this podcast. So That's uh, it's a real joy. Right here. <laughs> it, was, it was so scary to write that book. So I'm glad. I'm glad some people find you for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. I wanted to start with you wrote this essay for Vanity Fair for last month that was about Black people and COVID. And, and I remember even when I was reading it, I thought, how do you have the will to stop writing? Or like, how do you, because you're, you're covering something that is ongoing and seemingly getting more grim and more grim with every day, right. second. You start with a, a death count every day. Right. So tell me about the decision to put that in Vanity Fair and then make it first uh, piece in the new, revised. Yeah, you know, initially when they asked me for something, they asked me for something, uh, it was like 22 days in Corona and 22 days, it was just arbitrary number, didn't make sense. And, you know, 14 days makes a lot of sense because that's the number of days when it's supposed to be in quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, 14th Amendment, like the number 14 comes up in that piece a lot. So, and then you just trim it to 14 days. And, um, and that was good for my mental health too, because like writing that piece, I was just like, man, like you could write a hundred days of these things and mm -hmm. you could write 300 days of these things, you know? And, and when I really started to realize near the end that like the death count was going to probably go up in the 300s and 400,000s. And, <laughs> and that's why like the, the piece kind of starts to get uh, like really close on Mississippi at the end, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. instead of just doing what I was doing before, which was sort of critiquing Trump and a lot of, and myself. Um, but then the day, you know, that piece is really about like making a decision to come home and creating art that gave me opportunity to come home and just being completely like disillusioned by home. It's really cliche in that way. Yeah. Tell me, tell, tell me where you are now that actually. And uh, um, in, in Oxford, Mississippi. Oh, you're in Oxford, Mississippi. Okay. That's where I live. Yeah. Because at the end of the piece, I, I sort of got the idea that you were. Yeah. Well, I mean, that takes a little while, but yeah. <laughs> that's the, um, uh, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long I'll be in Oxford, Mississippi, but that's uh, that's where I live. I mean, that's where I work right now. You know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how long I could live there, but uh, you know, <laughs> nice people. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <people. laughs> um, tell me about getting the rights back to this collection and to your first novel. What it's like to revisit that work both in terms of content and craft um 
it was scary to me because I mean, getting how to slowly kill yourself into the world was just so hard because, you know, I, I think people forget like in the 2010s or whatever, like essays became like a thing on the internet, like hardcore, hardcore, but essay collections weren't something people were dying to publish in the yeah. early 2010, like 2011, 2012, 2013. Um, you know, Roxanne came out and, and like broke the world with mm -hmm. Bad Feminist and, you know, Sam Irby came out with some, some incredible work. And then, and then a lot of other people started to create incredible essay collections. Damon Damon Young, for example, um, uh, Alexander Chi created an incredible one. Um, but it was just hard to get these essay collections out. So at the time, I was kind of using essay collection to bring attention to the novel. Right. But the publisher that I was working with out of Chicago didn't think it would work that way because he said publishing uh, essay collections um, actually sell less than poetry collections is what he said and then wow. I was like yeah but doesn't it matter the kind of essay collection we create and again like at that point you know I'd been through the ringer with New York publishing mm -hmm. um I'd had a very reputable editor and publisher tell me to take the racial politics out of my book so you know I sold this book to this dude for a thousand bucks and so when I say sold a book I mean you know I sold my film rights my tv rights mm -hmm. um everything e e even the decisions that were made around the book it's like like I should have read that book if it was going to come out you know um I just should have read that book I'm, I those essays are close to me in a way that I could have brought a lot to them it was never even offered for me to read it as opposed oh, to like gosh. heavy where you know at first they offered me an, an actor and then I was like I think I can read that book not better than an actor but with a little bit more particularity you know what I'm saying and like absolutely you know my reading that book I think helped to make that book what it became. But it was like, you know, I, I was never given an option to read How to Slowly, never given an option to read Long Division. And, you know, it was fine. I was out there driving everywhere in the country trying to sell my book. I was going into beauty salons and barbershops. <laughs> and, and then the book, they just started to do really well, you know, especially the essay collection was, was shocking. And, and then at some point I was like, man, you made a lot of money off of this. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we need to talk about something. Like, we need to talk about a new deal or, and or, I actually have these newer essays that I want to kind of bring into the collection because I had written this essay on Outcast when as soon as I got to Mississippi, mm -hmm. which I thought was really, you know, I don't think most of the things I write are, are good at all or decent, but I thought that was a That's solid that. essay. I wanted to include that. I wanted to include this other piece about, Pledge of Allegiance, and and then and, and he was like, you know, we can't change it. So then I was like, all right. And then he, the dude, um, charged Scribner. Initially got involved, and he gave Scribner a, a a number that was like out the roof to, for those to buy those books back. So it didn't make much sense. And then honestly, a lot of stuff happened this summer, and I was just like, you know, I I could be dead tomorrow. My, Grandmama could be dead tomorrow, um, and I want this art to live on the way I want it to live on, and I just don't want the art to be associated with this dude anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so instead of charging me like six figures to get my own books back, you know, I got it. I, I had to I had to pay fifty thousand dollars to get my books back, and um, and then I did a you know 
partnership with Scribner where it was it became monetarily beneficial to do it, but it still hurt my feelings a lot. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm just like a I don't know about you, but um I'm a tough person, but like I don't know, paying for art that you get that you like I paid that dude that art like for a thousand bucks and then I had to pay 50 G's to get my art back. And what I'm saying in the beginning of that book is like I'm trying not to blame that person because part of it was like I wanted I thought there was like an integrity friendship there that wasn't there. And and then of course, second person is an essay that appeared originally and, and just details the shit you went through with publishing the the first time. Right. And there was a part of me that, yeah, you know, like when I put how to slowly kill yourself out, like I didn't think it was like a great book. And I thought that they were like, I thought it had maybe two or three good essays you you know you were the second person was i thought a good essay i thought how to slowly kill yourself and others was like a solid essay but you were the second person i'm like man like you saw what we went i would you know why i'm here even trying to publish with you you know what happened to me and you know end of the day though you know it's just so cliche but it's just like business it's just like you know it's like you know i i would never do that to somebody i would never buy a book from someone for 50 that for five for a thousand sell like, you know, 30, 50, 40, 50, 60,000 copies of it or whatever. And then <laughs> when a dude wants the book back or just wants to change it, because initially, mm-hmm. again, I didn't, I was just like, let's just, can we like reissue it with like some, some added essays in mm-hmm. there? And then the dude was like, yeah, we can do that, but you got to make me a deal, make me an offer. I make you an offer, man. I'm like, I gave you those books. Anyway, I'm I'm trying to get over it and get through it. Like trying not to harbor any resentment. It's so hard. This is my first. This is one of my first. This is one of my first conversations about that book. So I'm trying to work through them. I'm, I'm, if it sounds like uh, all out the box, it's because I haven't talked about this yet. Well, then I'm honored. Tell me a little bit more about second person in the age of the anti-racist book list. Do you think people people editors, New York City editors, for the most part, have changed the criteria for what they're looking for and what they think is commercial? Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, and and the reasons for that have a lot to do with, you know, cultural workers and activists, like Mm -hmm. changing the culture of the world. Um, It has a lot to do with you know, I just think we came in, like there was a group of us who came in and we had to come in through the internet. Right. Like we like, you know, major publishing a toll lot, a lot of us in different ways, be it me or Jasmine or Roxanne or Tressy, uh, you know, told us no. And so we created relationships with people through our art. But I think major New York publishing saw, oh, those people can make money without us. So let's go partner with them. That's what I feel like happened. And so, like, some of the change, I think, has to do with the art. Some of the change has to do with the culture. Some of the change has to do with, like, political organization and movements, change in the way we think and move and talk in this country. And cynically, some of it just has to do with the fact that, like, they saw that we could move books without them. And then they were like, yo, I wonder what we could do with them. Yeah. You know, I think it's all of that. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's all of that stuff. But I think it's, I mean, I know people getting deals right now with art that is like incredible that would have never gotten uh, mainstream or commercial attention. Yeah. You know, like there's no question. I mean, you, you, you could, I mean, I could just name a trillion incredible books that 
and and it has nothing to do with like the grandeur of the book. It just has to do with the people in power just not thinking that they can make money off of a book. Yeah. I mean, that's really what book publishing comes down to. Of can course. make money off that book? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Okay, well, so, and now I think they think they can make money off of like kind of, you know, still, like, cause I, I think a lot of us write very weird books. I know I do, but they still sort of reduce them to race books. And I think that's complicated, but, you know, whatever. I mean, the, the the main takeaway from the second person essay, even when I read it in 2013, was that you had an editor who wanted you to make your hero into like a Percy Jackson-like figure. Literally. Which is just mind-boggling. Literally. Like, the thing about that you are the second person essay is most of the quotes from the editor slash agent are, are were, were like direct quotes from my emails with the with the person and then I had to change some distinguishing features, features so the person wouldn't you know to protect the identity of the person but um yeah yeah Percy I, me- I remember that I remember reading that, that I woke up and then and like I, I'm just I'm from Mississippi so like any if, if there was a dude from Mississippi named Percy Jackson he would be a black dude and so, and so when, when she told me, I mean, when this person told me Percy Jackson demographic, that's your audience, I was like, oh, shit, I can't wait to read this Percy Jackson, like, <laughs> metafictive, like a young brother from somewhere. And then I'm like, oh, that's Percy Jackson. Nah, I'm not writing that. I'm glad it exists, but that's not what I'm, I'm not about to write, you know, Percy Jackson. <laughs> and even just like thinking about what commercial is, quote unquote, is, um, right a journey because like i don't seek to create commercial work or art right like but i do want to create like art that feels familiar to people but also feels unfamiliar and then you have to hope that it feels familiar enough so so they'll follow that unfamiliar feeling you know and 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 i guess you want as many people as possible i don't know if that's true actually but you want you want people to to read and, and 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 care about the work but I never think about creating commercial art. I do want to create art that 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 makes that moves people, you know. Yeah. Um tell me tell me about narratively going backwards that you publish your um most recent pieces towards the front of the book. Yeah, I love that you saw asked that question cuz I think that was just like some like artsy thing that was important for me. You know, like the easiest way, even in the reissue, the easiest way to ensure that more readers would feel the movement would be, would have been to invert it all and start with um, the occasion that started the book, which was, which was my, my uncle's um, death. My grandmother found my uncle dead and then my aunt found my uncle's journals. And in my uncle's journals, he was pretty much saying a version of I'm, I'm killing myself and I don't know how to stop. And you know, in the in in old how to slowly that was the first essay, and it ended pretty much where you are the second person, and then a and then the beginning of a letter to my mother that became heavy, and I just wanted to invert it and think about what happens if you really, really, I I I, I just think yeah, this isn't innovative or new, but I think to really explore the now of anything, you have to walk backwards, right? And mm-hmm. so that author's note couldn't be written without that piece called Mississippi and Awakening in Days. Mississippi Awakening Days couldn't have been written without all of the other 
13 pieces that preceded and you know right. and pledge so it's like that so by the time we get to the essay how to solely care yourself and others in america i want people to understand how the worst of white folks which is the essay that precedes that yes. like gave that essay you know permission and then that final piece which is a direct address to my uncle from from me and my aunt also is what gives the worst of white folks permission so it's inverted but I still think the now can be the beginning and the beginning can be the end. Cause I think that's how a lot of us think, you know? Um, I just wanted to dare myself to, but I think when you do essay collections, I don't think people even read them sequentially. I think, you know, but hmm. I'm so grateful and thankful that you, you asked me about it reading backwards. Um, but, but again, again, cause I was like, I was really hung up on that story of, you know, the person American from like a rural place or like a place where injustice is pretty bountiful, you know, has to leave, but then comes home and makes a home. And, you know, I'm starting that book literally saying, I got my books back. I came back home. Mm -hmm. I got my, my business in order, but home is not what I thought it was going to be. And I don't know how long I can live in Mississippi anymore because these urges that I have are the same urges I had really as a 19 year old, which is like, mm -hmm. you have to protect yourself in this state in ways that I don't want to feel, I don't feel ethically right protecting myself, you know? Um, and so in that way, I think it's like a really sad book, but I think if you invert it, people don't see it that way, you know? I mean, I still think it's a pretty sad book. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe in a forward-moving way. Yeah. Tell me about living in Oxford and being the John Grisham. Is it a fellowship? What the? Yeah. Have you been there? No. Where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. Okay. What part? Ocean Township, which is near Asbury Park. Oh, okay. Anytime people say New Jersey, I'm like, is that the Sopranos part? Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> In Jersey, like a small, town. small, like spatially? It is small, but we, we're, it's very filled up. <laughs> right. Um, I, I just had never, uh, and that's what I show in that book, you know? Also, there's like a disillusionment with Oxford that happens in that book, if you, mm -hmm. you know, because when I get there, like, like when they offered me the Grisham Fellowship, because I was just so worried about coming back to that part of Mississippi, I initially didn't accept it because I was like, I wasn't ready. And then even in that, there's a conversation I had with my mom. We had over email. My mother was like, why would you go back there? There's nothing there for you. Uh, did you get <laughs> did you get fired? And Oxford was, it's just, you know, historically, it's just, you know, it, Ole Miss has just been this place where people who come from where I'm from, we just would talk. There was nothing in Oxford for us. You know, it's the northernmost part of, of one of the more northern parts of the state. I was from the central part of the state. Mississippi is like a lot of different states, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the thing that's different about Mississippi is that every direction you go, unlike because we're the blackest state in the union, they're like there's black people and there's black people in like all black rural towns in the north, in the south, east, west. Um, but that part of the north is a part, you know, with people who congratulate themselves on being liberal um, super kind people, but that history of Ole Miss is strong in that town. So when I got to Grisham, I was just happy to be away from uh, Vassar. And I just was like, I fell in love with writing again. I mean, that's when I really finished heavy. 
Um, that's when I wrote um, How They Do in Oxford. I wrote I wrote a lot of stuff that I didn't put in there, but I wrote a piece about Cosby. I wrote a lot of incredible, I mean, decent book reviews and stuff like that. But uh, I wrote that Outcast piece, which was so yeah. dear to me at the time. And I wrote them all in that house, at the Grisham house. And Grisham's house is, before John Grisham left, he and his partner built this um, dream house, which is like on like, I don't know, 30 acres or something. And it was a massive house. It had a pool, it had, uh, but pool was covered, so I couldn't swim in a pool. But it, <laughs> it had like two big ass lakes. It had a baseball field. It had wow. fucking tennis light, you know, <laughs> like, tennis courts on your property and so that week so that year that i was away from from Vassar, like i was in mississippi but i was living on like 30 acres of wow land and so it didn't even feel like mississippi you know and then they asked me to come on as a full-time faculty member and partially because i had that experience of creation behind me mm. i was like all right um let's let's try it you know, and then and then I moved from there into a house in the town, which was a formal on the site of a old um, they called it like a Confederate, like a huge Confederate house. To me, it's like a Confederate castle. But, you know, that wasn't good for my spirit. But I was thankful. And, and what's it like now? There's a lot happening now. You know what I mean? Like the town is I mean, there's so many kind people in that town. But you know, man, like if like when when you when you when you when you don't attend to like your you know yesterday and you can talk about yesterday in a form of ghost or memory or you know violence, like if you don't attend to it and you just always wish it away with things like, oh, like we don't need to talk about how Ole Miss became Ole Miss because we hired KSA Layman like that. <laughs> like I'm not a band-aid and and there's a whole lot of mess. And you know, so those young people there and those some of those older folks there are fighting, you know, to get some of these, you know, we all tried to do our part to get these monuments taken down. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's just the beginning. Like the structural issues at Ole Miss are abysmal and really scary. And at the end of the day, it's like Ole Miss exists partially because, you know, a lot of wealthy, I think, really racist money. Um, and, that, and that doesn't make it any different than any other <laughs> institution in the, in the world, actually. But, but, but there's opportunity there to actually, like, do the work of education, which is to talk about how and why and what. But I think like most institutions, you know, they want to just get to, well, what do we do next? And I'm like, but, but we can't talk about that yet because. Right. And narratively, that's kind of where your essay collection is too. Like if you yeah. want to understand. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what I was trying to do, right? We got to walk it backwards. Mm -hmm. But it's a, th I mean, but, but, but what I'm trying to say is like, there's a risk because, you know, like how to sell a key yourself in others is America. That's, that was like a, it was like a cult classic, you know what I mean? There was like 18 Gawker. people, like eight, it's like a few people in the world who really love that book. But so when you when you reissue it, and, and again, like I just needed that book to be my book. So I was gonna put right. the book back out regardless. The question was that I add, would I do anything different to it? Um, and I just think, yeah, you, 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 you wanna, you wanna, you wanna challenge yourself as an artist and like, 
I think the essays in that book are no doubt better than the essays in the other book, but that doesn't make it a better book, you know, like, and so I just, I don't know, I think sometimes there's also the risk when you mess with things that sort of connect it, you know, even, mm -hmm. even if they're better, people are still going to be like, I don't like it because it's not the first one, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. that's how I am sometimes. I'm like, I love, I love that rendition of that song, but it's not the real one, you right. know, not the song. Yeah. Do you feel like you're doing a cover version of <laughs> yourself? I mean, I really feel like I was making a better book for me. Um, and I want it. And I think that depending on how you read, I mean, it's a different book. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm all of my 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 sort of philosophy is rooted in like radical revision and I just think it's a different book, but I'm scared that people who like the other book are not gonna like this one, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't be so sure. And tell me about the title essay because I remember reading it on Gawker. Uh, oh, wow. Years and years ago. Yeah. Um, and the the part that stuck out at me when I read it again in 2020 was that you're looking for some, or not you, but people wanted a Yoda-like cone from you about what the essay means. Right. Um, has it changed? Has anything, has, has the meaning of it changed? Man, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, you know, I wrote that essay in 2000, it came out in 2000, I wrote, I think I wrote it for Gawker in 2012. And I don't know, like, the scary thing to me is when I read it, like, some of those other essays I took out of the book, they dated the book and they, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. in, in a way that some could feel like great, like, this is like of the early 2000s, right. or a way that people could be like, God, I don't really want to talk about fucking Bernie Mac and Kanye mm -hmm. or this this version of Kanye or you know right. Mitt Romney. And, but when I read How to Slowly Kill Yourself, like that essay for for bad, it it lasts, man. Like it yeah. it it is because it's not a book about how bad it is that police are killing black people. It's not. I mean, a story essay. It's not. It's not just about that. I mean, it it literally is about all of these black lives that were killed by bullets and those guns were held by police officers sometimes those guns were held by other young black people mm -hmm. sometimes those guns were held by like you know ourselves trying to you know wondering if we should hurt ourselves sometimes those guns were held by our parents and what what, I, what i'm trying to actually say and i and 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 again I, I hate to be the person who tries to read their work to people is like like all of these people like are actually like really complicated rounded characters do you know what I mean? Like, and you see this with Breonna Taylor, like she's a yeah. fucking complicated, complicated woman who deserves to be fucking alive and mm -hmm. she deserves to be complicated. Her insides deserve to try to find them their way out. But when we make these people spectacles, even those of us who are trying to do good, I think we reduce like life. I think we reduce like black life by like, making black death such a spectacle that's really what that essay is about you know um mm -hmm. and following the gun following the gun between the ages of 17 and 20. you dedicate the book again 
to your uncle. Tell me about redoing your dedication. Yeah, so this one it says to my uncle Jimmy, both of them. And I'm just always a writer who, even if I'm sharing art, like I want every sentence to have like a particular meaning to me that I hope will mean maybe something else. And so, you know, I am my uncle Jimmy, you know what I mean? Like, even though it looks like we weren't like my, my to my family, my, to my grandmother, she still calls me that, you know, my aunts will still be like Jimmy. So on one hand, you know, I'm, I'm saying, I see you and me, even though we went different, different paths in a way. And then the other hand, um, Baldwin was always someone I called uncle Jimmy and like, there's mm -hmm. like weird, like Baldwin odes in that piece. Um, and so I'm really thankful for a lot of work Baldwin did. And also a lot of like, you know, mistakes I think Baldwin made, but I'm just thankful that he cared enough about us to, to, to show all of it, you know? Hmm. The last thing I want to talk about uh, with you today is that you were basically raised in academia and you were raised by teachers and it's so clear in your work that not only do you value those people who taught you, but that you also have many students who, who value you so much. Tell me about mentoring. Ooh, um, I mean, I think teaching and learning have this been like, the, being a teacher and a student have sort of been the most important uh, identities in my life and you know, the thing about, you're right, like what you said is true. I mean, you know, like I, like I understand educational spaces and in a, in a particular way because I was born, I was literally born and conceived on a college campus, a university campus. And then I, I was, I went to graduate school with my mom and she, once she was in Wisconsin, then we moved back to Jackson and she taught at Jackson State when I did, I was there at Jackson State's campus with her. Um, and then, you know, I went to Jackson, went to Millsaps, I went to Jackson State, I went to Oberlin, I went directly. And I, all these things are like, boom, boom, boom. I never took any time off. So I've never really not been a teacher since two, since I was 22 or 23, mm. you know what I mean? And, 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 and that, 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 that is great and all, but it's also, uh, yeah, these institutions are grimy, man. Like they're, 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 they're scary in a way that I, I don't know that, 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 that we've shown the world yet. So I'm trying to work on a piece that does that. But mm. I don't know. I just always want to be, I think early in my career, I just wanted to be everything to my students, like whatever they needed. Because I wanted, I didn't want to just be their teacher. I wanted to be like their mother, you know, <laughs> or like their grandmother or my grandmother to them. Um, and my mom was saying, I want to be like this mix. Mm. And uh and I failed a lot. I mean, in, in, in ways I never imagined failing, but I, I definitely failed a lot. Um, but I think it's important for me to say in 2020, but there's some ways I didn't fail. You know what I mean? Like I see some of my students who, you know, cultivated the beginnings of like lifetime explorations in classes or in conversations. And, um, you know, a lot of my students are in the world, like creating <laughs> incredible art, their teaching like that's the most incredible thing is like when you create when you help create teachers who love 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 and also love students enough to want to 
just kind of break this system open and be as loving and generous as possible. So it's filled with a lot of failure, but I'm trying to do better at thinking about the ways that my students and I like created something lasting and worthwhile. Cause I know, I know we did a lot of that. And what I tend to do is focus on the, on the times that I wasn't what I should have been to them, but I'm, I'm, I'm super grateful to them, like more than almost anybody. It's a lot to let somebody teach you, you know, and my students let me teach them and I'm super thankful for that. So, so now is a good time to ask um, what you've been reading lately and what you want to uh, tell us about a little further. Um, I've been reading, I mean, this is a book coming out called The Prophets by Robert Jones. I, I, I love Robert Jones. He's also Son of Baldwin. I didn't know, I knew Son of yes. Baldwin before I knew Robert Jones. And I remember the first day I found out Robert Jones was Son of Baldwin. I swear to God, it was some fucking superhero shit. I was like, wait, <laughs> like, that's you? Clark Kent. And he was just like, yeah. I was like, I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, so, so um, The Prophets is just blown, blown my head. Uh, Disha Filia wrote this incredible book that's a finalist for um, the Fiction uh, National Book Award called Secret Lives of, mm -hmm. I think it's Church Ladies, is that? Yes. Yeah. Secret Lives of Church Ladies. Um, and I was lucky enough to read that book a while ago. And I just think she's doing something so important and like technically like, wow, in that book. Like it, that's, that's a good ass book, man. I don't know if you read that one yet, but that that one is. I haven't been able to get is, my hands on it. Do you think right. it'll, it'll be reissued? But it's, it's it's been it was published by West Virginia University Press. Right. Yeah, and it just took off, and um, and then, and another two that just have that that have been helping me throughout this whole whatever we're in um are are you know I'll say this a lot, but breathe by Monty Perry. And um, Yellow House by Sarah Broom. Mm. But, you know, Kaylin Greenidge has this new book coming out called Liberty. Yeah. And uh, I, I just never seen that book, fam. I just, oh, I don't know about you. But when I when I read things, I'm just like, wait, all of the books in the, that we've had to read, I've had to read, and I've never seen anything like it. I just get, it, it just helps me want to wake up. So I'm That's just saying, like, for me, it's like, all, when you ask me about great books, I'm like, I'm literally naming things that helped me want to want to wake up through this pandemic and want to continue to create. Um, so those are those those are some of the books that I feel that way about. Thank you. That's perfect. thank you. Thank you. Uh, this has been so much fun. I'm really thankful that you give so much time and, and care to to this work. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. By the time this episode airs, I hope we'll be in a who knows what kind yeah. of we'll be in. But, um... Who knows. No. Thank you for listening to the Maris Review and check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.